Hey there, guys and gals, all you hip cats, cool kittens, you diesel-powered disciples of cool. This is Tales from the Flipside on the Diesel Punk Podcast, and I am your host, the artist also known as the King of Swing, the Tower of Power, the Diesel Punk Prophet of Pop Culture. This is the artist also known as Big Daddy Cool. You can call me Johnny, and I am coming to you live from the bedroom studio at the Casa de Cool for another thrilling episode of Tales from the Flipside. And that intro music that you heard is the opening soundtrack to the film The Greatest Showman. And we're going to be talking about that movie today on this episode of Tales from the Flipside. But before we do that, we need, <clears throat> we need to thank a couple of sponsors. First up, Swap.com. If you want to if you want to have style and look swank like Big Daddy Cool without breaking the bank, then check out Swap.com, the world's largest consignment and thrift store. Stop going to store after store, sifting through racks, and shop millions of clothes in seconds on Swap.com. They are the world's largest online consignment and thrift store. And you can save up to 90% off retail price on your favorite brands like Carter's, Nike, J. Crew, Gap, and more. And there are between six to 10,000 new items added daily. And best part, if something doesn't fit, enjoy hassle-free returns within 30 days, no questions asked. Now here's the great thing. We've got a special offer just for our listeners. 40% off your first order plus free shipping. You just go to swap.com and use promo code FLIPSIDE40. Swap.com FLIPSIDE40. And of course, returning again this week is the Lat Late Show. They are a, um, a, a, a another podcast on iTunes. And uh, you can uh, check them out. The Lat Late Show Presents is a production company. And uh, they're owned and operated by Brian Higby and Ricky D. Snyder. We're probably going to have them on the show here soon. But they do two types of shows. The Lat Late Show is, uh, is kind of different. It takes the form of a series of shortwave radio transmissions sent across astral, astral planes from a home pole or dimension known as the monkey room behind the closet. And these transmissions are like an SOS sent across the astral planes to travels lost among the astral poles. It's very different, very unique. Check that out. And then their second podcast is the novel podcast, uh, Denmark Chronicles, the Oswald Grant Collection, Goretown, and more. And you can listen at thelatlateshow.com and you can get the novels at Amazon. Dot com. Go ahead and check them out. And we want to thank them for being another sponsor this week. So, we're going to talk Greatest Showman. I've uh, seen it twice now. This is the musical story of P.T. Barnum starring uh, Hugh Jackman as P.T. Barnum. Also stars Zac Efron and Zendaya. Um, let's see, Zac Efron plays Philip, and uh, Zendaya plays Anne. Michelle Williams is Charity uh, Barnum. 
Rebecca Ferguson plays Jenny Lind, and uh, Keila Settle plays the uh, the bearded lady. And there are a host of other characters, but those are kind of the key characters in the story. And um, first of all, let me just say, this movie was remarkable. It was spectacular. It is loosely based on the life of P.T. Barnum. And I say loosely because they really take 25 to 30 years of... Barnum's story, well, more than that, actually, uh, maybe 50, 60 years total, and compress it into um, two hours. And, and in, in the movie, the story is probably takes place over, the main meat of the story takes place over, you know, a year or two. But really, from when he opened his American museum to the time it burned down, which is a key scene in the movie, um, it, uh, it was 25 years uh, between the opening and the fire. In, in this film, it's I, maybe a year, two tops. And <clears throat> so there's a little bit of historical inaccuracy, inaccuracy in this movie. And I was okay with that. And, and look, I am a student of P.T. Barnum. I am an amateur historian of his. Um, however, although it had some inaccuracies, the spirit and the high points were correct. And really, that's what they were trying to get to. They, they were trying to present a kind of an overview or a short bio of his life, you know, if you were to do a biography film on P.T. Barnum, it would really be, you know, a, a mini-series on Netflix. Um, it, this movie was a lot like those films that, that you know, are, are biopics on Houdini, and film and TV, all of the biopics on Houdini, every version of Houdini that's been on film or TV has been inaccurate historically to some degree or another, some more than others. You know, the Tony Curtis film was uh, pretty historically inaccurate. Um, the Even the Adrian Brody uh, documentary on uh, arts and entertainment, A&D, had a lot of inaccuracies. Uh, the most inaccurate portrayal is, uh, you know, the, the portrayal of uh, Houdini on that the the TV show Houdini and Doyle, uh, I loved his portrayal and and the way they wrote that character, but it was very inaccurate historically. That didn't take away from my enjoyment, and that was the case here with The Greatest Showman. Uh, it is a musical, and the music is phenomenal. One of the best soundtracks I've heard in the last ten years. Um, the, the production numbers are spectacular, the dancing, the choreography, all of the singing, and everyone does their own singing except for one character, and that is the character of Jenny Lynn, played by Rebecca Ferguson. You may remember her from the, uh, from the, uh, Mission Impossible Rogue Nation movie. Um, she plays Jenny Lynn, and... Her voice, though, is her, her 
singing voice is done by Lauren Allred, who was a contestant on The Voice. I wish I hadn't known that um, because the, the performance was unbelievable. I, you know, I really don't know how they got that to sync up. And it's a testament to Rebecca Ferguson's acting chops because I had no idea it wasn't her singing. And um, come to find out, Rebecca Ferguson does have a background in musical theater. So I'm not exactly sure why they had Lauren Allred sing instead of her. It may had may have had something to do with the style that they were trying to uh, capture. I don't know. But um, if I had any quibble with the movie, that would be it. Um, Zac Efron was fantastic. Hugh Jackman impressed the fire out of me. Zendaya, I, I became a big fan of hers in this movie. Uh, Michelle Williams, wow, she was spectacular too. And uh, Keela Settle, who plays the uh, bearded woman, this was her first Hollywood film. Uh, she was not expecting to be in this movie. She uh, had done the part in Workshop over the last several years, uh, you know, and, and working it out, working out the music and whatnot. And finally, when they were presenting for the producers, um, you know, to get the final funding to make the movie, uh, they said, we got to have her. She, she is that part. And, um, I'm glad they did. I'm glad they did. Um, Hugh Jackman, not only can he sing and dance, well, I, I should say, not only is he a great action star, he can sing and dance. And a lot of people don't realize that he was doing Broadway musicals before he became a movie action star before he did um wolverine he was in the broadway musical the boy from oz and he followed that with a production of oklahoma he played curly in oklahoma uh, he was in the film version of les miserables as jean valjean and now oddly enough that i mentioned houdini earlier he's working on a musical of uh, based on the life of houdini and he'll be playing Houdini in that. So um, long pedigree there. Uh, Zac Efron, of course, you guys know him from uh, High School Musical. He's done a couple of other musical roles. But this one is where he really, really shines. And I, I think sheds that uh, teeny bopper bo image and uh, really shows what kind of chops he has. Um, Zendaya. Amazing voice, awesome dancer, and in this movie, she learned how to do aerial stunts uh, on the lira, on the silks, ropes, trapeze, and um, according to Zac Efron and, and the interviews that I've seen with other cast members, they all did their own stunts, they all did their own dancing, and um, that's awesome. Zac Efron is actually, he... Uh, he said, you know, they practiced day and night for, for months, and he's amazed that no one ever got hurt. But, um, you know, the, the movie tells the story of Phineas T. Bar Barnum starting as a child, uh, as the uh, child of a, a tailor. Now, in real life, his father was not a tailor. Um, he was in a different industry, but 
that quibble aside, um, he uh, meets uh, Charity Howlett, uh, played by uh, Michelle Williams, not the child Charity, when, when they're children, that's a different actress, but um, they grow up together, they, they fall in love, they get married, they struggle, he works as a patent clerk and um, gets laid off, he absconds from the bankrupt patent clerk office with uh, deeds to ships that are at the bottom of the Pacific Ocean, South China Seas, and um, leverages that to get a loan and to buy the American Museum. From there, he uh, realizes that you know the museum is lacking something, and he starts recruiting odd acts. And he starts with Tom Thumb, um, and that was uh, uh, his real name was Charles. Um, Oh, what was Charles' last name? Oh, that's going to drive me crazy. I'll, I'll think of it here in a minute. But, uh, you know, Charles played Tom Thumb. Tom Thumb w- was the first person historically that Barnum recruited. And um, that's true in this movie. And then he recruits the bearded lady, uh, the dog boy, uh, the tattooed man, um, the, uh, the, the Siamese twins. Ching and Ling, and um, and and on it goes. Now, here's where I, I think there are some historical inaccuracies. I don't believe from anything I've read or seen, and some people can correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't believe that he actually presented um, circus circus arts at the American Museum. I think it was sideshow attractions. So I don't think he had trapeze artists. Now, I could be wrong, but I've never seen that mentioned in the other literature that I've read about him. Um, However, I I could be wrong, like I said. Um, You know, the story goes on. He meets Jenny Lind when they're in Europe, touring Europe uh, with the troupe. and and he brings Jenny Lind to America to make her a big star. And he did in, in real life. He made her the biggest musical star in the world and the highest paid uh, performer for that time. Um, and um, throughout the course of the movie, Jenny Lind, you know, falls in love with Barnum. But Barnum is faithful to his wife. Again, this is historically accurate. He was faithful to his wife to the end. Um, and she, out of spite, you know, creates some controversy for him, which, you know, brings financial ruin to him, stresses, strains his marriage. But it's the, the burning of the American Museum or his circus at this time the building burns, collapses, and that's what prompts Barnum to move under the big top. And like I said, the 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 historical inaccuracies are because of the compression of the story. But the high points are there. 
And you get a real feeling and a real sense for who P.T. Barnum was. He was a big dreamer, and he liked to have a good laugh. And he, he, he embraced his critics because he knew that there was no such thing as bad press. Any publicity was good publicity. And all of that is present. Um, the there is uh, you know the story arc of the of the sideshow freaks led by the bearded woman Keila Settle, uh, you know to be accepted, to be seen, to be visible, not to you know live life in the shadows. And the song "This Is Me" is an anthem to that. Um, the characters that Zac Efron and Zendaya play. Uh, Philip and Anne, they, you know, develop a a love relationship, an interracial relationship, which in the Victorian era was strictly taboo. Um, But they, uh, you know, the story is, you know, we are not going to be bound by societal norms or, you know, what you think is appropriate. This is who we are, and we're not afraid to live our lives and and be bold about it. Uh, so that's one of the uh, the the overarching themes of the story, coupled with Barnum's philosophy. You know, dream big, be big. You can be whoever and whatever you want to be. That is the moral of this story, and it is a it is a powerful, moving inspirational film. This movie spoke to me on so many levels as an entertainer. Uh, You know, at one time I was called the P.T. Barnum of Nashville. And um, there's a lot of similarities between what I do and have done in my career and to how uh, Barnum, you know, lived his life and and, uh, ran his business. Now, one of the inaccuracies, uh, and and most people wouldn't know this unless you're a student of... um, Barnum is that he um, he was a teetotaler. He was uh, he was one of the earliest people in America to uh, advocate the prohibition of alcohol. Uh, so he was a prohibitionist, and uh, in this movie you see him drinking alcohol quite a bit. That that would not have happened. Um, I I'm just you know this movie was phenomenal. It was. It was spectacular, and I can't, I really can't say enough about it. There's, there's no justice my words can bring to this movie other than to tell you to go see it. Go see it, and, um, it, you know, it's not in the diesel aesthetic. If you're, you know, listening to us on the Diesel Punk podcast, you know, it is more in, well, it is set during the Victorian era, Queen Victoria, is one of the characters. It's set in the late 1800s, before the turn of the century. Um, Victorian fashion, style. Uh, it would qualify as steampunk because it does mash up the Victorian art, style, uh, culture, etc. with contemporary music and dance. Um, all of the dance is, is jazz and hip-hop. The music is, you know, very 
very much based in pop music styling, as you heard from our opening, but it's phenomenal. It is great. So all of you retro punks, you anacro punks out there who love, you know, the mashup of anachronistically incorrect music style and fashion are, are going to love this. If you liked Moulin Rouge, which I loved, um, you're going to love The Greatest Showman. If you liked the movie Chicago, you are going to love this movie. It is a true successor to those. So if you were to, to think of this as a trilogy, you've got Moulin Rouge, Chicago, Greatest Showman. And uh, that would be an awesome weekend of musical movies. Uh, it's already uh, nominated for several Golden Globe nominations, including Best Score, Best Song. Um, Hugh Jackman has been nominated for Best Actor. Um, and, and so it, it, it's, it's phenomenal. That's all I can say about it. Um, so that kind of brings me to my, my next topic. Um, here at the start of 2018... I see a lot of movies. I go to the movies a lot because I use Movie Pass. And if you haven't heard me talk about Movie Pass, then I don't know what show you're listening to. Movie Pass is like Netflix for movies. You pay $9.95 a month, and you can go to as many movies in the theater as you want to. Um, you know, there are limits. You can only see one movie a day, and uh, you, you have to buy the tickets same day. You can't get them in advance. But... You, you can go to a movie every day of the month if you want and never pay more than the monthly subscription of $9.95. It's phenomenal. Check them out at moviepass.com. We don't get paid a dime for, for sharing that with you, but I'm that big a believer in the product. So I use MoviePass. I go to a lot of movies. And there have been a lot of good movies out this year, but I thought it would be interesting to share what my top five movies for 2017 were. And at number five, I'm going to start with The Last Jedi. Um, I enjoyed that movie a lot. I thought it was a great addition to the Star Wars mythos. And as a diesel punk, I loved the visual aesthetics. It truly was the most diesel punk of the Star Wars films, which I believe the Star Wars films are part of the diesel punk genre. Uh, number four for me was a movie you guys have heard me talk about over and over and over, and you may have heard my review of it a couple of weeks ago. Number four was Shape of Water. Shape of Water was phenomenal. It was a magical movie, and it's been nominated for several Golden Globe Awards. Sally Hawkins, the lead actress who plays... Um, uh, uh, Eliza has been nominated for Best Actress. And if she doesn't win, ah, man, it's a travesty. Um, number three was Thor Ragnarok. Solid, fun, great superhero, cosmic flair adventure. Um, you know, one of Marvel's best so for me, that's the third best movie of the year. Number two, up until this past week, I would have put number two as number one. 
But number two is Blade Runner 2049. And again, you may have heard mine and Eric's reviews on the podcast earlier, on uh, Diesel Punk Podcast, Fedora Chronicles, what have you. Um, It was the best film of 2017. And if it doesn't win the Academy Award for sound design, there's a it's a travesty. That movie was just beautiful, gorgeous. Luckily for you, it's coming out in uh, Ultra 4K uh, and uh, HD Blu-ray release in just a couple of weeks. But that was my number two best film of 2017. My number five, or, or my number one best film of 2017 is the movie I just talked about, The Greatest Showman. There was no other movie this year, and I'm going to say this, for the last 10 years, there's been no other movie this year or for the last 10 years that have moved me quite like The Greatest Showman did. It was a spectacular movie. It, it, it hit me hard emotionally. It thrilled me. It made me laugh. It made me smile. It made me cry. And... It really inspired me to launch into 2018 and really seek out some great things. And there are some big, big things on the horizon that I can't talk about yet. But suffice it to say that for Big Daddy Cool, Bombshell Kittens, the Diesel Punk Podcast, everything I'm involved in, things are about to explode in a way that I've been working for for the last 15 years. And um, I'm, I'm going to be excited to share that news with you later on this year, but right now I can't. But The Greatest Showman really reaffirmed my, my plans and reaffirmed for me that the direction I was moving was going to be the right one. And um, huge, huge impact on me. I really, really recommend you go see it. And um, you'll, you'll love it. You'll love it. Now, before I leave you guys, I want to talk about one last thing. Um, 2017 was kind of a weird year, especially in the world of diesel punk. In the world of diesel punk, we had a lot of great diesel punk comics. You hear me talk about that all the time. Um, The Betty Page series, uh, several Lobster Johnson series, Hellboy, 1952, 1953, 1954. We had um, uh, Real Science Adventures, uh, Atomic Robo. Uh, what else? Uh, just going through here. Uh, some new, well, I mentioned Hellboy, 1953, uh, Finding Hitler. Um, lot, lots of good stuff. Lots of good stuff. The, uh, uh, Moonshine this year was phenomenal. Trigger Man was phenomenal for, for a comic. So from comics, it was great. Um, for, for film, it was really strong too. We started off the year with uh, Fantastic Beasts. We had Wonder Woman, Live by Night. We had uh, 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 Shape of Water. We had uh, Murder on the Orient Express. We had Blade Runner 2049. And... Um, if, if you're just into, uh, uh, we had The Darkest Hour, which I haven't seen yet, so um, my top five list might change after I see Darkest Hour. 
But um, we had Darkest Hour, and you know, if you're like me and include Star Wars as part of the diesel punk genre, we had The Last Jedi. So for films, it was a great year for diesel punks. And a um, lot of good stuff happening. Um, Eric Fisk took over dieselpunks.org, uh, and we are working feverishly to get that reformatted and, and uh, kind of re-debut that. Uh, we started the Diesel Punks group on Facebook, which is the official discussion group for dieselpunks.org. That's one of the changes that's coming, is we've moved the discussion forums off dieselpunks.org onto Facebook. And there are a lot of reasons for that, but mainly that's how people are, are connecting now um, outside of the traditional forums. Um, so that was good. However, oh, and, and you know, I, I performed and, and paneled and made a big splash at a lot of big cons, and um, that, that's going to continue into 2018. Um, I started on the second edition of my book series, Tales from the Flipside, and um, hopefully that will be done before the, uh, before the spring of this year, 2018. Um, so a lot of good stuff going on, a lot of good stuff happening in 2017. But there was one incident in 2017 that kind of marred the diesel punk landscape. And, you know, I'm not going to name names, but I know he's listening now. And let me just say, if you claim to be a leader of any fandom or fan community, but you declare yourself king and demand that nobody can disagree with you, and then when they do, you threaten them, well, you're an a-hole. You're, you're delusional, megalomaniac that is in dire need of help. And I know that person is listening and and I'm gonna I'm gonna get a threat on my life from this, but I'm gonna just say it right now. You, sir, did more damage to the diesel punk community than anything that could have been done uh, this year. You spl- you, sir, single-handedly helped splinter the community and scatter them around. Now, Eric and myself. Larry Amyet, John Wilson, Giles, uh, Moses, uh, Stuart Anthony, we're doing what we can to bring everybody back and, and, you know, kind of reunite the community. It's still a little bit splintered and fractured, but you listening to this, and, and I only bring this up because you brought it back up again and started posting about it. You did more damage to the diesel punk genre and community than anything else that could have been done. You lost your mind. You attacked people who had supported you, who had helped build you up and build your quote-unquote kingdom. And then you burn it all to the ground and you, you insult and threaten the people who helped build it for you 
And I, I'm just going to tell you that was wrong. That was wrong for you to do. And it's wrong for you to play victim and to blame other people for your shortfallings. Now, I'm going to get email on this asking me who I'm talking about. And if you don't know, that's fine. But for those of you who were involved in that entire thing, you know exactly who I'm talking about. And if, if you disagree with me, that's fine. That's fine. I'm not, I'm not a king nor a kingmaker. I'm not the authority, authority on this. Um, I'm not an authority on diesel punk. Now, let me, let me clarify that. I'm not the authority on what is or isn't diesel punk. However, I am an expert. And I, I would dare say, and I'm not, I'm not saying this with any kind of uh, braggadociousness or, or arrogance, but... <laughs> The, the direction of the diesel punk genre and community over the last six years has been largely shaped by the opinions expressed on the diesel punk podcast. Things like the timeline extending up to 1957 is almost now universally accepted by diesel punks. Not everyone, but most will accept that. Um, the inclusion of Star Wars as diesel punk. I've made reasonable cases uh, and, and it has become more accepted as such. Um, you know, we have moved diesel punk from the initial founding documents of, of Ottens and Pycraft, you know, dystopian or hopeful, and we've moved away from more of the dystopian and really focused more on the, the optimistic elements. And I dare say that we've created maybe some new classifications of diesel punk. And, and we're no longer using the term, uh, you know, autisian or Pycraftian. We're calling it uh, optimistic and, and dark. Um, or, or dystopian, rather. Optimistic diesel punk and dystopian diesel punk. And that will continue to evolve. But, um, you know, with all of the good things that happened in 2017, that one, that one mark was, was pretty significant. And if you're listening to this now, I hope you, sir, get the psychological help you need. Because this goes beyond you just wanting to control a, a fictional genre and a fan community. This, this went way beyond that. And, and you obviously have some emotional and psychological issues that you need to get help for. As late as last night, New Year's Eve, he posted threatening to end me and Eric Fisk. And... We, we just can't have that. So uh, with all the good things, that was one of the bad marks. And we hope that in 2018, either this person will see the light or just move on to other things. Just, you know what? Maybe the diesel punk community is not the place for you. We'll see. We'll see. But the important thing for everyone to know listening to that, <clears throat> listening to this today, is that there are no kings there are no uh, 
authoritarian figures in the world of diesel punk. Diesel punk is ever evolving. And, you know, if you are a diesel punk creator, you are one of the people who are helping to evolve it. People like William Jackson, people like uh, T.A. White, people like, um, like uh, uh, Tony Snipes, people like Bard Constantine and Dan Glasser and Paul Roman Martinez and Dan Cooney. Uh, you know, those are the people who are creating diesel punk. People like Eric Fisk with the Fedora Chronicles. And you know what? I'm going to go ahead and be bold enough to include myself in that uh, with, with Big Daddy Cool and the Bombshell Kittens, Tales from the Flipside. We are creating the genre. And there are others out there. I don't want to you know, miss anyone. You know, Bonsart, uh, who, who we, we syndicate his, uh, <clears throat> his radio retro future here on the Diesel Punk Podcast. Uh, DJ Swag Commander, who has single-handedly been responsible for creating a real market, a real community for electro swing and vintage swing music online. Um, not just through our podcast, but through some other online radio stations. He's done a great job. Um, people, uh, you know, like even Tom Wilson, even though he sold dieselpunks.org, he's still involved in the, in the community and he's still creating. And the people who are creating, oh, Georgina Elizabeth with Atomic Girl, you know, these are just a few of the people. John Wilson, who's doing diesel punk cosplay in the Pacific Northwest. These are the people who are creating the genre. And in 2018, these people are going to produce some remarkable things for diesel punk. And if you're someone who wants to tear that down, if you're someone who can't get over their own ego and their own hurt feelings and their own sense of entitlement and victimhood, you don't belong in the community. Go somewhere else. That's my rant on that. That's all I'm going to leave you with. Um, go see The Greatest Showman. Fantastic movie. And let me know what you think about it. You can send us an email. Uh, two different emails you can use. Feedback at dieselpunkpodcast.com or Big Daddy Cool at BigDaddyCoolShows.com. You can find us on Facebook at Diesel Punk Podcast or at Big Daddy Cool Shows and on Twitter, BDC Magic or Diesel Podcast. And you can connect with us in any of those ways. Send us a note, send us an email. Let us know what you think about the show. And while you're doing that, do us a favor and go on iTunes, go on Stitcher, and give Tales from the Flipside, give Diesel Punk Podcast, give Fedora Chronicles a five-star review, post a comment, make it good, help us spread the word of Diesel Punk and get more people to join our little community, little but growing community. It grows a little bit every day. Um, if you're a comic convention, I am booking cons now to appear as Big Daddy Cool with and without the Bombshell Kittens, uh, doing, uh, my Anacropunk 
magic, music, comedy, panels, book signings, hosting your cosplay contest, whatever. Uh, so if you've got steampunk, you need to get Big Daddy Cool. Give me a call and uh, I'll come out and um, do, uh, is it steampunk or diesel punk panel? And uh, do my Unleash Your Superpowers panel and perform my Anacropunk music, magic, and comedy and uh, host your cosplay contest. Be an MC for any of your events that you need. Uh, it'll be awesome. And you'll be seeing me at a lot more cons this year because of some of the cool stuff coming up that I can't talk about yet. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. Uh, so drop us a note, post a review, make it good. Uh, if you've read my book, Tales from the Flipside, go to Amazon, go to Barnes & Noble, go on Goodreads, post a five-star review of that. Help me get more reviews, more readers. The second edition should be coming out within the next couple of months. We're finishing that up now. Excited about that. What else is there? Oh, make sure you visit our sponsors, swap.com. Use promo code FLIPSIDE40 to get 40% off and free shipping on your first order and visit our sponsors, The Lat Late Show, for some great, uh, great podcast material. And uh, that'll be a lot of fun. And um, yeah, go see The Greatest Showman. You're going to love it. Well, guys and gals, that is it for this week. Until the next time, swing hard, swing often. We'll catch you on the flip side.